0: And I've realized that if I try to spread myself too thin, if I try to be an everyman activist, I'm going to dilute my particular activism. And my particular activism needs my full attention because one restaurant is doing the damage of hundreds of people. Welcome to the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show with your host, Jerry Saber.
1: Hello and welcome to episode two of the plant-based entrepreneur show. My name is Jerry Saver and this is the show featuring people who are challenging our established food systems, the way we produce raw materials, the way we manufacture everyday items. And that's because they realize that the only way we can make it through this next century is if we break our dependence on animal-based products. The thing is, it doesn't really matter if you're vegan or not because this affects us all. In fact, I don't even think that most of the population will identify themselves as vegans when we get to the point where most of our everyday items come from plants. But for those of us who are vegan, it's gonna be a huge relief because right now you sometimes still need vegan ninja skills to find things that you can use or eat. And this is definitely most apparent when you go to eat out somewhere because you start playing the menu game. You start checking out what dishes are plant-based, what are not, check the ingredients with the waiter and start figuring out if you can just remove something to make them that way. And well, my guest today is aiming to change all that. Her name is Kiki Adami and she's the founder of a startup called Veganizer. So Kiki... Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Jerry. I'm so excited to be on it.
1: Yeah, great to have you here. So thanks for joining me Um, because, you know, I got the impression from our email conversations that you're running on a pretty tight schedule with everything you got going on. So (laughs) I wanted to ask, where does your drive come from? Like, were you always like that? Were you raised like that or?
0: Well, Here's the thing. I've always been extremely impulsive my whole life. My mother was always telling me, think before you speak, think before you act. And uh, as a child, I can understand why an adult might say that to you. But now that I'm older and able to fully think through things, um, I'm very grateful for my impulsivity because uh, it pushes me. It pushes me to take steps that I think people who think too much would not take. And I think I'm also a bit of a risk taker, and when you take risk, uh, the situation requires extra demand. And so, for example, a few months ago I decided, you know what, I'm going to serve a 12-course meal to 60 people, and I set up the event site, it was in the public, and I had no legs for that table that I had just built. (laughs) so so I had to hustle and real quick that that
1: was just a couple of days ago if I remember correctly right?
0: <laughs> that was just a couple of days ago and, and we pulled it off but I set very high expectations for myself so that I'm forced to step up to the plate um, and sometimes I hate myself for having that type of personality but at the end of the day it's for the animals for me and I'm committed to moving as quickly as possible um, because every moment is is a moment where another animal is being abused, and so I have to just constantly think in my head, it's for the animals, it's for the animals. And when you have this thought and this mantra churning in your head all day, every day, you pretty much are left with no excuses to be lazy.
1: Nice. Because you, you went vegan at a pretty young age, if, if I understand correctly, right?
0: Well, no, I was actually in my teens. Uh, when I was 12, I went vegetarian.
1: Well, I that, remember. It's still pretty young.
0: It's pretty young, yeah. <laughs> um, and it, unfortunately, it wasn't ethical. You know, it was just uh, something didn't make sense to me. I was, I was not able to figure it out quite yet. But I had put a piece of chicken in my mouth, and my mother was always forcing meat down me. I never wanted to eat it. It was a texture thing. And I remember I put a piece of chicken in my mouth, and I pulled the chicken out, and a vein stretched and snapped and hit me in the lip. And... In that moment it was like bam, the light bulb went off that I was eating a dead body, that's why the texture freaked me out. I could see the veins on my own wrist as I was having a vein dripping from my mouth, and it was just the most crude awakening until I saw animal cruelty footage later. But it was that was the first awakening I had and from then on I was vegetarian, but I I didn't make the dairy connection or the bee connection or the gelatin connection until much later on in life. Um, I was about 19 when I went raw. I was a raw vegan, um, or I wasn't even vegan. I was raw.
1: So, so you and went was, from vegetarian to raw vegan, basically?
0: Sort of. I went to, was living in Argentina, and some guy who I was friends with down there had convinced me that raw milk was essential. And so I was drinking raw milk while I was in Argentina and, um, you know, I didn't feel any better than I back then than I do now, now that I don't drink raw milk, but, uh, you know, it's psychology. And when you're not an ethical vegan, all you have to do is read one convincing study or one convincing health article and bam, you're off the wagon. And so the ethics, uh, I was at the veg fest about two, three years after I went raw and I watched the mercy for animals video where they pay you a dollar to watch a 30 second video. And that was it. And that was seven, eight years ago.
1: And that was also in, in Argentina?
0: Nope. That Uh, was in New York. Yeah.
1: Right. Because Argentina to me doesn't really sound like the country where one would go (laughs) vegan. I mean, it's a pretty (laughs) meat-centric culture down there, right?
0: You know, it's crazy, Jerry. Okay, so there's a gentleman named Diego Castro, and he is a chef. He worked at a restaurant, which many vegans have heard of at this point in time because they've been in the press a lot, called Pure Food and Wine. And it's a, it was the first raw restaurant and he worked there, he was a chef there, then he went on to work at Rock and Raw, which is another raw restaurant in New York. And, and then he went back to Argentina in Buenos Aires and he opened up the first raw food restaurant and he had apprentices working under him. After his restaurant closed, all of his apprentices opened up their own vegan restaurant in Buenos Aires. And so now there's approximately eight to 10 vegan restaurants and really fantastic futuristic, super evolved vegan food in the heart of Buenos Aires. And it's so hot. It's one of the most hot and popular trendy things to do for there, for the young people especially. So it's a very interesting thing that's happening in Buenos Aires.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's definitely interesting because I I spent a couple years in Venezuela. I knew exactly one vegetarian (laughs) and he was not very happy down there. I tell you that.
0: (laughs) Really? When? What were you doing in Venezuela?
1: Um, I just went for a holiday uh, in two thousand and seven, two thousand and six. That kind of extended to four years. It's just <laughs> w- one of those things. I don't know if Argentina was the same for you or not, but very similar. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> y- you know the allure of South America. Uh huh. Yeah. And then, so you you went vegan at age ni- nineteen, is it?
0: Yeah, raw at about 19 to 20, um, and then about 23, I went ethical vegan.
1: Yeah, and then at some point, you found yourself in New York, and you started working at Goose Organics, right?
0: Correct. When I was uh, a sophomore in university, I was going to Fordham University, and um, it was when I just got into the raw thing, and... I went to work at pure food of mine. I had no server experience. And so they said, hell no, you're not working here. And so then I went on to, like I said, I wasn't ethical at this point. So then I went to the nearest organic place that was just right down the street. And I walked in and they hired me on the spot. And, um, one of the managers and partners of the restaurant, his name is Paul. Well, we ended up getting married and, um, He was paleo when I met him and obviously he married me, went vegan, and then there was two vegans running a paleo restaurant. (laughs) So that didn't quite work out for very long. And uh, we had all of our servers watch Calspiracy. We had all of our servers watch Earthlings. We couldn't force them, but we requested that they watch Earthlings and almost all of them did and kind of unanimously we took the step to take responsibility for our place in the world and we started veganizing Goose Organics and we were the first restaurant in the world to assume a veganization.
1: Yes, and that later made the news but unfortunately for all the wrong reasons because your, <laughs> your customers up to that point weren't very happy with that decision, right? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But ironically, um we had a lot more support than negativity. It's just I think negativity is what makes the news. Yeah. So, we definitely got some terrible feedback. You know, people went to yelp that didn't even eat our food. They just heard that we went vegan and they went to yelp and they gave us one stars or they would put my name in the Yelp review and say, "How dare she do this?" and so they were not very happy, but I mean one of the coolest things in the entire experience was after the first article went live, and I think Peter did something on us, and we got like seven thousand Facebook likes in twenty four hours all right I got getting emails from India from Sri Lanka from Australia from everywhere, and uh, i couldn't believe it the the words of support that people were sending us and um we struggled financially for the first couple months but then a few, a few weeks before we closed we had calculated our finances um, and we realized that we had actually made more money as a vegan restaurant that summer season than the previous five summers as a paleo restaurant.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then unfortunately we got hit with a lawsuit by our investors and that ended up draining the funds, the lawsuit, so we ended up closing but it's okay. Because uh, now I'm moving on to Veganizer, and I never would have been able to start Veganizer uh, if I was still running Boost Organics. Because you would sleep there sometimes. It was it's it, it's an all it's a totally all-consuming job when you're a restaurateur. Yeah. Um. So I'm actually kind of grateful if that makes any sense.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm really sorry that didn't work out, but you know, just in a little bit of defense to the paleo crowd, um, I imagine that if you were a vegan restaurant and you went the other way, the backlash you would get from your vegan customers would have been would
0: be worse.
1: Well, I didn't want to say it, but um, yeah, we we can be pretty intense when, when we get annoyed with something. And, you know, they, the paleo guys are just the same because people who do pay attention to what they eat we Mm -hmm. tend to get very passionate about it as well that that's a fact on on all sides
0: Yeah. yeah vegans are not the only ones bringing ethics to the table it's completely everyone brings ethics to the table no matter what your stance on it is the the meat eaters are there are some people who are convinced that without animals on the planet we would actually be killing the planet and they that have gotten into that argument and you know they think they're totally right and i think i'm totally right and so who wins uh,
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely but okay well let, let's bring it to the veganizer now um, the, the name is pretty self-explanatory but if you had to explain it in one sentence what would you say you do
0: So my elevator pitch for Veganizer is I go into omnivore restaurants. I flip them 180 degrees to be totally vegan. And then we throw a launch party to launch that new menu and brand them to the entire vegan community for that city.
1: Right. Well, I told you before, I totally love the idea. And I I think it's one of those things that are simply poised to happen in a certain moment in time. And (laughs) I think that moment is pretty much right now. You know, yeah. but still, how how did you come up with the idea? Was it just the Goose Organics experience or was it bigger?
0: Uh, Well, when I, when I was waitress at Goose Organics, I was practically fired because I would be serving people filet mignon and as I would serve them, I'd say, you know, meat is not that healthy. You should probably be getting the salad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah i can imagine the management didn't take very kindly to that
0: so so the manager at the time he gave me a severe warning to stop uh downselling and upselling the salads and he said that i could talk about my plant-based food outside of the restaurant but not inside the restaurant and so i think before I even realized what was about to happen in my life, I was already planting the seeds at Goose Organics. Um, and then after Goose Organics closed, my, my real dream was to have, have Goose Organics be so successful that we turned into a chain. And because we were so successful, people would kind of piggyback on our success and do the same thing we did. But because of the lawsuit, that wasn't able to happen. So after we closed, basically, I Veganizer for me was like, my redemption. It was like, I was not going to allow that to be my last stake in the vegan community. And, and on top of that, it was like, I knew that it was going to happen. I had like such a deep feeling in my heart that I was not the only restaurateur having trouble sleeping at night. And, and I just knew that. I, was, I had a unique duty and a unique experience that no one else had experienced before and it would be me kind of like turning my back to the animals if I didn't assume that position of being kind of the forerunner of the veganization movement for restaurants. And so I had to just assume that role and, and make it happen because if, if I wasn't going to do it, who was? No one else. I'm uniquely qualified to assume and start this business. Um, and so I had to, and so two months after Goose Organics closed, I veganized a second restaurant. And then a month after that, I veganized a third. And then a month after that, I got a professional chef on my hands because it was too overwhelming for me to do everything. And uh, we have been running solid ever since. And uh, even having nothing to do with me and my chef Hadara. There's 14 restaurants in the next two years that are going to be going vegan in New York City uh, by the owner of Robbie De Rossi. And he is a restaurateur that owns 14, 15 restaurants in New York, and he is veganizing all 14 of them in the next two years. In Australia, you know, there's Gigi, there's Soul Burger, there's Gelato Blue Newton. There's all these places all over the world that are doing this that have nothing to do with me, which says that I my instincts were right, that I'm not the only one that felt this way. And I'm not the only one that took the bold step to cha- make a change in the business and risk everything. And the crazy part about it all is I've been talking a lot with the restaurateurs that have gone vegan in the past couple weeks because I've been writing a lot uh, for newspapers. And so I've been trying to gather intel and, and come up with some type of formula that results once you veganize your restaurant. And this is what I've discovered so far. Every single restaurant that has gone vegan has made more money as a vegan restaurant for two reasons. A, they have people that are much more committed to their restaurant. B, they have a clientele that does free promotion for them. Meaning vegans take photos of their food and share it on Instagram. They share it on Snapchat. They post it on Facebook. Uh, they send newsletters out to their people. us vegans are so social savvy because we know how powerful that is, and the last thing is is that they say their food cost goes down thirty percent when they remove animal products from the restaurant okay. so even e- economically across the board it's happening the same the same it's repeating itself, so it has to mean something
1: yeah like i said it's it's an idea that's just it's here. You know, it's it's going to happen, but you know, with Veganizer, you pretty much, you just go around, you went around cold calling and visiting restaurants in New York and offering to veganize their menus, right?
0: That's so, as simple as it is.
1: What What kind of reactions <laughs> are you getting there? I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are excited about it, but probably some aren't that much either.
0: So when I was doing kind of market research, so to speak, after Mr. Ghanix closed, I for maybe two weeks just walked around the city going into restaurants saying, hey, uh, have you ever considered going vegan? Uh, have you ever considered adding more vegan items? And I can say that nine out of 10 restaurant restaurateurs have said that they know they need vegan food because A, the vegan chooses where the group eats. <laughs> and B, everyone, whether you're omnivore, paleo, or just trying to lose a few pounds, is looking for healthier food options. And so and so, it just makes sense financially to have vegan food. So 9 out of 10, I would say, we're totally gun ho on the idea of doing it.
1: Yeah, because the interesting thing is, and that's info from your side, I think, that 80% of the people who who show up for these events, who, who eat that vegan food, they're not vegans. They're actually omnivores who just want to eat healthier and want to eat more plant-based foods.
0: Well, I have to say that I can't say who is vegan. A lot of the people that show up to my events, I'm now, they're repeats. They come to every single event. And so I'm, I've never asked them what their diet is, but I can, I'm, I'm assuming they're vegan but what i have been discovering is that a lot of people are bringing their omnivore friends to the events to show them that you you can have your cake and you can eat it too you can have that steak without killing the cow you can have that chicken you can have that scallop without killing the animal because the food that we are making is at the meatiest restaurants of the city and if we can veganize them anything can be veganized and so this is a perfect opportunity to veganize individuals by showing them that going vegan has nothing to do with sacrifice or compromise.
1: So what, what did the owners think after the events?
0: Uh, all of them were smiles. Um, I have some, some testimonials on my website, but um, financially they're super impressed. Uh, for sure, they're interested in adding items to the menu permanently. Almost every single one has asked me to do a second, third or fourth event with them. And uh, two of them had requested that my chef do a follow-up teaching, just privately, to help their chef. Um, so it's the interest has been really positive when it comes to follow-up.
1: Yeah. Tell me a bit more about your your chef and the uh, the whole team behind Veganizer. How how did you put that all together?
0: So I like I said in the beginning, I'm a bit impulsive and I love teamwork. I am completely aware of where my weaknesses are, and so I have no issues with asking help from people. And so uh, my weakness is definitely in the kitchen you know i'm I'm organically good. I've never been to culinary school. I just am good at cooking. I was super raw for four years, so I had to I had that learning curve. like I know how to do raw food like the back of my hand. but um when it comes to food, vegan food, it's really like chemistry. You have to make create meat, and so I knew that I was weak when it came to vegan meats, making seitans taste like steak or chicken. And so um, I had hired my chef from Boost Organics, his name is Ricky, and I don't know if you've heard of this restaurant, by Chloe. It's a really popular takeout place in New it's, York right now. It's
1: making the news on this side of the world as well, yes. Yeah.
0: Well, sh- he is now running the kitchen over at By Chloe. I, I was able to set him up because he loved learning about vegan food so much that Chloe had come into my restaurant and eaten the quesadillas. And she loved him so much, I, have, I brought my chef out, introduced her to him. Little five-foot-nothing guy from Mexico. He doesn't speak a word of English, but he's a vegan genius. And he is now running the By Bi- Sh- Chloe kitchen. <laughs> but I hired him to um, come to my first two veganizer events. And uh, then he got too busy with By Chloe and... It just so happened that at my first Veganizer event, I had met a woman named Hadara Schlock. And Tadara had come up to me and said, you know, I'm a chef. I can do anything. And I said, you can do meats. You can do cheeses. She said, I can do anything. And I was kind of apprehensive. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people email me saying they want to work for me. And then I forward them the documents of what's required. And they're like, sorry, I don't have time for this.
1: Yep. It's, so, it's a challenge. Yeah. meats.
0: Yeah, yeah. so I basically kind of dismissed her, unfortunately, and just was very cordial to say, oh, nice, we'll be in touch. And then three weeks later, she did a follow-up email, and I said, sure, I'll be in touch. Two weeks later, she did a follow-up email. I said, yeah, I'll be in touch. Another week later, she said, when are you going to come over? And at this point in time, I was trying to find different chefs. I was looking for a chef, a French vegan chef, a Mexican vegan chef, an American vegan chef, not uh, heritage-wise, but uh, culinary-wise, um, because what I was wanted to do was what, my original concept was to take amateur chefs who were trying to make a name for themselves and provide them with a platform to take over a restaurant, become executive chef for a night, um, and perhaps get placed there as the executive chef. Okay. That, that was my original concept. Um, so I was going to all these chefs' houses, and they were cooking for me, and I was... Trying to find people to put in my rolodex of chefs, um, and then when I had, and then finally I said, "Oh, I should probably call Hadara. I don't know what kind of food she does." But I drove to her house, she, and I got to her house, and she had a series of plates set out for me, and she blew my mind. <laughs> she, I mean, she was not kidding when she said she can make anything. We're talking steak, we're talking salmon, we're talking chicken, we're talking turkey, we're talking risotto. She can make anything. And the reason is because she's been vegan for 50 years. Wow. She is born and raised vegan. And so this is all she knows. Wow. She was, and so I, on that moment, I said, You're my chef. We're working together. And it's been a really solid partnership ever since. And we complement each other perfectly. And I travel for my other job, I travel six months out of the year. Um, and so I have hired now a brand ambassador, her name is Jean and she, she, I met her at my veganizer events. She comes to all of them. And so she's a huge fan of veganizer. And I thought what better person to hire as a brand ambassador than someone who loves the brand. And so I hire her to do sales calls for me when I'm traveling. She also, uh, is kind of like my, whatever I need. She's like my right hand woman. I need phone calls to be made. I need emails to be responded. I need Facebook posts to be posted, I need sponsorship for this event, she does whatever I need, whatever I can't do. Um, and so we're a three person team and together we comp- we're like a perfect triangle, we complement each other so well. Cool. And I'm super lucky, I, I, I don't know how I found them but the universe placed them in my path.
1: <laughs> when when it's time for something to happen, it usually it just happens, right? Yeah. So. Your uh, husband, Paul, uh, by the way, was he the manager who almost fired you when you were working over at uh, Goose Organics? Yeah. Are <laughs> yeah. uh, you guys working together on Veganizer as well, or does he have other other stuff that, that he does?
0: No, Paul does other things, um, but you can bet that he supports me in whatever way I need. The other day, we had the 12-course meal, and I forgot to hire a dishwasher and uh i can see where this is going (laughs) and he busted his butt washing 60 plates 12 times (laughs) wow in a a four-hour period i went back to the dishwashing section and he was drenched in sweat and so he sweats for veganizer as well so whatever i need he supports me
1: (laughs) how this with this amount of work, how does this affect your work-life balance? Like, what what do you do to, to keep things even and not go completely just full on in into what you do? You know do? what?
0: I'm addicted to what I do. I have I have to say, like, I listen to a lot of Tony Robbins because I do juggle so much, and I think he's very practical when it comes to work life. I don't like to call it work-life balance. I call it work-life integration. So so, um, the reason I asked you to prolong this phone call is because I'm committed to a health regimen that I have every morning. And if I don't do that health regimen, it affects my whole day. And so I woke up at seven. I worked out. I walked my dog. I cleaned my house. I ate breakfast and I sat down. And I'm ready. Nothing is on my mind. I'm not looking at dust over there. (laughs) And so, um, and then Paul's in real estate. So he sits from the, if you could see where I'm sitting, I'm sitting at a six person table and his workstation is over there. My workstation is here. He sits across from me. I sit here. Um, We spend lunch together every day. And uh, I do dinner with my workmates. You know, whenever we have to work and have a conversation, we go out to dinner and we brainstorm, and we talk, um, and it ends up becoming a social thing for me. And then, of course, my events are social events, and that's my way to socialize. Unfortunately, I don't have time to go to meetups anymore. I don't have time to go to all these. um, I used to be very involved in the um, activist arena. I would go to the horse carriage things. I would go to um, mostly horse carriage but I don't have time to do that anymore and I've realized that if I try to spread myself too thin if I try to be an everyman activist I'm going to dilute my particular activism and my particular activism needs my full attention because one restaurant is doing the damage of hundreds of people
1: yep that's something that most of us probably don't consider but yeah you, you're right
0: so I have to just focus on that and I integrate my life and, and I try to keep it as the only thing I need to commit to is my health regimen every morning and then the rest of the day is I'm talking to people. It's a pleasure. It's fun. I'm expanding my idea. I'm pushing it forward. Um, and it's just a pleasure. I don't really have a work-life balance.
1: That's work-life integration <laughs> sounds even better. Is that, yeah. Is that Tony's term or? Yeah. 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 It Yeah. Sounds like him too. <laughs> but you know if someone told you like 15 or 20 years ago that you'd be working to turn all restaurants in new york city vegan one day what kind of reactions would you would they get
0: i mean i don't even i i don't even remember when i learned what the word vegan was i never in my life had that vegan come to me and test me never I went vegan on my own. And it was if someone were to say that to me 20 years ago, I mean, I don't know what I would say. I think I would think they were ludicrous. First I'd ask them what is vegan. And then I'd say, but why? Because I didn't I didn't connect the dots back then. Yeah, that'd be crazy. I, I had no idea that my life was gonna end up this way.
1: <laughs> and what what about the future like do you see this turning into a nationwide business or a worldwide business or franchising Abs- opportunity of sorts it is
0: going yeah franchising is a great way to put it um i just put out a video on my youtube channel uh teaching other people how to open up their own veganizer in their city of the world um and i gave them a step by step playbook of what it means to run a veganizer chapter is needed and what resources and tools you have to have in your toolbox. And so um, I imagine that in the next year we're going to open 40 Veganizer chapters across the world.
1: Okay. That's my goal. That-
0: 40 Veganizer chapters. And actually I can bring up my uh, three-year plan. I'm going to bring that up for you, one second. All right, here we go. So I have a three-year plan and I'm going to tell you briefly how that three-year plan goes. Uh, In the next year, we're going to have uh, 24 events in New York, 24 veganizations, um, and I hope to have 40 more chapters launch across the world for Veganizer, and there will be chapter leaders in every city that uh, I will be in communication with um, and support in whatever way I can, but they will essentially be their own entities running Veganizer in their own method as long as they stick to a few key rules that I have for my brand. And then a year from now, I would like to actually branch off into my original concept, which was being more like a vegan chef agency, where I place amateur vegan chefs in restaurants. We could do five, six, seven in a month. Because right now I'm only working with one chef. But what I want to do is lift up amateur vegan chefs that are looking to make their mark in the world. Because essentially we can control the future of restaurant food if I'm kind of like, a chess master placing my pawns in each of these restaurants. Mm -hmm. I could really, we can really manipulate the future of menus if we, if I can place them into different restaurants. So that's, that's the the second year from now, the year from now that's going to be, and we're going to of course have more veganizer chapters opening every single year. And then three years from now, I imagine I'm going to start a veganizer school, which focuses strictly on meats and cheeses. Um, and then the ultimate goal is to have a TV show on a cook, major cooking network called You've Been Veganized. And it's going to be a marriage between Chopped and Restaurant Takeover. And uh, I'm already starting to work on the pilot for that. So fingers crossed that all of those things happen.
1: I can see exactly where you're going here. <laughs> Love your chess master plans. <laughs> That that's that's definitely something that I would do as well, because my personal experience and well, my background was the first year I went vegan. I spent just thinking about how I could serve dishes to omnivores without them even suspecting that they're, you know, eating vegan. Like really, uh, we all
0: do. We yeah. all, how can we how can we manipulate them? <laughs> It's constantly what we're trying to do is how can we manipulate them?
1: (laughs) Have you um, or do you already have people who are ready to back you up financially for for all of this? Like How are you doing this?
0: I'm having conversations. There's no takers yet. Um, But there have been a few conversations with some people who like what i'm doing support what i'm doing um and so on and they and i've been encouraged to put together a business plan for a few people um so i'm working on that right now actually and hopefully we can turn this into something huge within the next year that's that's really something that i would like to happen well like, but finance financially i support myself
1: right well i think you're headed in the right direction i mean this is definitely an idea that should be attracting investors, at least the way that things are going in, in the whole food industry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? So, um, yeah, just go for it is, is what I would say.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I will.
1: Just to close this up. Now I have two more questions for you, if you don't mind. So far, what has been the hardest dish to veganize? Like in your entire career as a veganizer, what was the hardest thing to to recreate?
0: Uh, Man, you would have to ask my, my chef, but for me, steak is easy. Chicken is easy. Scallops are easy. Salmon is easy.
1: What about steak tartare?
0: We have we have eliminated steak tartare from every menu that we've done because yeah. we imagine that it would freak people out. <laughs> <laughs> so I I mean, I imagine it would be easy to 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 do because you would just have to do some type of nut pate, you know, just a lot lots of oils with spices and some type of nut pate. You could probably get the, the uncooked meat
1: texture. That that that's the thing, really. Like all pretty much all meat dishes they're not actually meat flavor it's all the seasoning that that goes into it that makes absolutely. it up
0: absolutely absolutely yeah. so the texture is the question can, what can you replicate the texture i mean definitely the hard i think the hardest and the thing that we have not accomplished is the fish world for example we veganized a restaurant called pagani and there was john dory fish on the menu We simply had to eliminate it because a John Dory fish comes out as a John, as a fish. You see the tail, you see the head, you see the eyes, you see every skeleton, everything. And so we couldn't, at this point in time, we don't have that type of technology in the vegan food world. Um, But we can do almost anything outside of the fish world. We can even do escargot. We bought plastic snail shells
1: okay Mm -hmm.
0: yeah we can do escargot we can do caviar any of the meats it's very simple
1: have you ever been to to east asia like to to any of the buddhist vegetarian restaurants that they have around there
0: (laughs) no i haven't but we are going to be going to thailand philippines and indonesia within the next six months because
1: they they do some incredible and Honestly, a bit scary stuff with with the texture of bean curd, which is pretty much just the curd of um, when you're making tofu. Uh-huh. And they're taking the curd off the the liquid uh-huh. before it solidifies, and then they layer that. i mean i've I've had fish that was it, it didn't have bones, but it was layered on seaweed to mimic the skin. And I've had vegan chicken that was so realistic. You know, I said scary. When I yeah. was eating it, I was thinking for the first few minutes, wow, you know, I could serve this to pretty much any omnivore. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't know that they're not eating chicken. Uh-huh. And then it hit me, but they could have just served me chicken. Right. <laughs> And I, I told would you know it was
0: vegan, <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but yeah, wow. I, I think for textures, that's that could be a pretty good source of, of inspiration as well.
0: Bean curd. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah,
1: check it out. You You can do some pretty amazing stuff with it. Yeah, cool, right? To wrap it up, where can people find out more about you and? the next Veganizer event or sign up to to open a chapter in in their own city?
0: Sure, everything is located on www.veganizernyc.com and that's where you will find my connection, that's where you'll find my contacts, my social handles, the event sites that we're going to be having um, as well as a video on how to start your own Veganizer chapter and of course my email will be there if anything is unclear. So www.veganizernyc.com is everything.
1: Good, including if someone wants to invest in Veganizer. I'm assuming,
0: including if someone wants to invest in Veganizer. Yeah,
1: hope that mm-hmm. happens very soon, because really you you deserve to just go out and make this big.
0: <laughs> thank you so much, Jerry. I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, hey. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, thank you, Kiki, for um, for taking the time. To be on episode two of the Plant Based Entrepreneur Show.
0: It's my pleasure. Thank you for having and me. And
1: I am really looking forward to popping in to one of your events sometime Thank in the so future when we're closer.
0: Thank you. Cool. And I hope I may be coming down to New Zealand within the next six months as well. So from there, where are you?
1: I'm really way down south in the south island Wanaka but it's close to Queenstown which is like the second biggest destination so
0: right,
1: yeah, okay. most people do pass through
0: yeah well I'm headed to Australia and I may end up just hopping over to, to New Zealand while I'm down there so if I am I'll be in touch
1: definitely come by and say hi
0: I will Good. thank you so much thanks a lot
1: <laughs> okay and that brings us to the end of episode 2 of the plant based entrepreneur show Thank you for listening, and if you missed anything, don't worry. You can find all the show notes online at theplantbasedentrepreneur.com/show/episode slash show slash episode two. That website is also where you can subscribe to our email list so you don't miss another episode, or you can follow us on Twitter at Entrepreneur. And as always, if you have any comments or suggestions, or if you know someone who should definitely be on the show, you can email me directly on jerry at theplanbasedentrepreneur.com. So until next time, stay awesome and remember, the future is plan-based.